Hello, everybody. Welcome to Today in Space. I'm your host, El Greco. Uh, Greco, Alex, Alexander Orfanos. Either one of those is good. I'm your host. So today, uh, actually, it's going to be kind of a a different episode uh, for this week. I'm just going to sit down on the mic whenever something new comes out and um, just talk about it, how it is in the moment. Try that, try that, and have something different. Now, part of me wants to say that's an artistic thing, but that's absolutely not true. This is a necessity thing. I just started classes again. So, uh, that means I don't have a lot of other, a lot of time for other things. So, stuff's got to change. Schedule's got to be better. Um, if for any other reason, but to not give myself stress. That's what it's all about for me. It's keeping it low-key. Nice and um, not stressful. So whatever. If I get anything else, it's whatever. I can work with it. So uh, I'm just going to sit down on the mic and uh, and put these all together throughout the week. Um, and then it'll be one step closer to being actually today in space. Uh, but um, uh, if uh, you guys haven't heard uh, or you haven't checked out the website, um, we're now on both todayinspace.net or todayinspace.squarespace.com. Uh, I have not uh, changed anything yet, so don't worry about it. You guys don't have to do anything, just so you guys know. Um, if I do decide to change the domain, don't worry. You'll hear through this, uh, and you'll you'll hear with plenty of time. I'll say it a few times just in case you uh, you miss. What would that mean? You have to change the subscription um, and, and resubscribe, I guess. It's what I know for right now, so don't worry about it. Either way, if you haven't checked out the website, um, the homepage is uh, its kind of where my focus is right now. Um, I have the posts for the show down pretty tight. Uh, I like where it's at right now. Um, so now that that's kind of automated, where it has a uh, procedure, <laughs> moving back to the, the homepage, um, I'm going to be trying out some new things, some graphics. So um, if you guys... Uh, if you guys like what I'm doing, if you guys have any suggestions, uh, send them my way. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you go to the website, uh, todayinspace.net, uh, and you go to the contact. Uh, that's a direct link with me So and the show. So if you have any questions about the show, if you, know, you guys want to get in touch with the show, uh, any questions of the week uh, or corrections of the week, um, go to there. Uh, that's how you guys get in touch. Um, you know, Twitter, uh, I'm at at El Greco. It's E-L-G-R-3, the number, C-O. Um, and Facebook, um, we're going to be starting a, uh, a community page there. And then we're also going to be doing one on Twitter. So that way that's uh, they can all go out from there. So all this stuff is happening, crazy stuff. And, of course, uh, because it's my life, it's all happening around the time where I need to start focusing on finishing school. I'm finally in my last final semester of uh, college. And for those that don't know me, that's an extremely difficult thing for me to say. (laughs) Uh, It has been a crazy, crazy, um, do I even say struggle? Um, Adventure, I guess is the way, the the word really to say. Um, You know, well, all right, we'll go through it. Um, I started in 
you know, in high school was very busy, uh, got through classes pretty, you know, on, on, I guess, I don't know, um, whatever smarts I had with me, um, I doubled up on math and science because I had one teacher who believed in me at the time. So it was fantastic. And then it was like, all right, I applied to my top three schools. Uh, and I got into one, uh, I got into two of three of those. Uh, one gave me more money. So that's where I went. Um, then when I got to college, an engineering school, it was a totally different lifestyle. It was like I was, um, I was just not prepared. I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't really know how to study. I didn't really know how, um, to take tests, how to actually take a test. I just happened to be smart enough to outwit the system. You know, uh, and to anyone else who's in college or thinking about going to college, um, my biggest piece of advice, I would say, being 25 now, is learn how, if you want to just be successful, learn how to communicate and how the system of your college works because it's a business. Maybe non-profit, but it's a business. It's a structure. It has, there's, you know, just because someone says something to you doesn't necessarily mean that's it. You need to talk to the right people. I've had so many turns in my career, in my college career, that uh, could just have been solved if someone had actually given me the right information. And because, it's not true, but because I was gullible enough, I guess it's partially true, because I was gullible enough to believe these people who are supposed to be, (laughs) you know, um, they're supposed to be the ones that have the answers, and they're telling you wrong. But that that goes down to the basic thing that people are people, and that you can't put them on pedestals. You can't, you know, everybody makes mistakes. We're all human beings. Um, and that's a lesson that I've had to learn. I was I was different person uh, six years ago. Um, but, you know, uh, I had my turning point sophomore year uh, where I had to decide either leave, call it quits, uh, do something else, or buckle down and figure out how you're going to do this. And uh, it's been a long struggle. I, I did two years almost three after that, so it was pretty much my senior year, um, and I had basically a whole year left, uh, or so I thought, um, but I had done an internship, got really, um, a great relationship with them, um, they wanted me on early, they wanted me on, um, the end of that year, um, I might have even been a junior, um, but I was like, no, I need to, concentrate on school and then just my situation the way I was doing things was not working you know it's not um it's not a matter whether it's wrong um as somebody else in that position it may have worked for it was not working for me um so then I decided all right I'm gonna go to school I'm sorry I'm gonna work full-time like I, I I felt so comfortable at work school like part of where I am even talking about this is because like classes just started to, to, we'll jump right back into it, but classes just started. Like I, I had kind of a, a crisis the last week <laughs> because it's been, it's something that I'm, I am very close to finishing and, and this long, hard, um, but rewarding path to finish up my, my schooling, even though, yeah, it's cost me a lot of money. Hell yeah, it's cost me a lot of money. Um, and I'm going to pay it. Um, but you still need to finish. You know, that's always, especially with the amount of money you put into it, you know. Uh, you get money from a school, but 
education is not not cheap by any means. Um, so I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is uh, just I am so relieved today when I went to my class and the professor was legitimately trying to teach doing doing new uh, well, I'll get into it more doing new stuff like and and you could hear he was passionate about what he did and it's one of those things where you're just like thank goodness oh I'm just like thank goodness now I'm not going to say that too too loud because I don't know how my other professor is but um you know it, I, I'm I'm just I'm very excited because if, if somebody's at least passionate about it, I can get behind it. Because for me, it, the, the part I can't change is if I'm interested in it. If I'm interested in something and I have a real um, passion for it, I will go after it. Like, that's where the show came from. Why would I figure out all this stuff and, you know, then do a show about space? Like, unless I was passionate about it. So... The downside to that, the double-edged sword to that, um, <laughs> is that you don't actually work that hard at things you don't like, the things that are necessary, that you just need to do. And that was that was a huge growing pain to get over. Um, but now I'm at the last leg of it, uh, and I'm kind of in a, I guess, a reflective stage right now, only because, because I know that some people like doing, like, dude, don't, you're just too early. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying it because for me, this, get, get all the drama out right away before the class starts. Get it out now. Go through all the bullshit you have to go through now before the work gets put in. Now I can just be like, all right, focus. I can, the emotion's out. I can be logical about this. What is it going to take for me to do? Every single point that I can get, I will get. I will destroy the, the content in this class. Um, it's inevitable. It's going down. So the only thing getting in my way is the crap that I'm going through. So and I, th this would always happen to me in these classes where um, I would self-sabotage myself. You know, it would, it would be the last few weeks of a class uh, and I would either realize I didn't do enough work, effort, to get it in, uh, and I was just assuming, uh, there's a whole bunch of other stuff, I'm sure, through this life of this podcast, we'll get a lot more into my issues with <laughs> some teaching and, and, uh, and other things like that, but we gotta start with, with me, that's, that's what I did wrong, so, um, my issue is that once I've turned that around, how do you, how can you still be treated the same way, you know, as a, as a, as a snot-nosed kid, a punk you know, how do you turn that around uh, after that's the image that's already on you? So, regardless, regardless, I'm still a punk, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> uh, what I'm trying to say is, get I, I want to get through that shit early because otherwise it would happen to me later in the course when I was about to finish. And it would just be like, oh my God, like, you know, this guy had to be drama. It's like, no, no, no. Get it out of the way now. Go through all the shit, challenge yourself, ask yourself, why the fuck are you thinking this stuff? get through it, and get through it, and then you can just focus, so, um, it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be really cool, uh, but because of that, we're gonna be doing the production of the show a little bit differently, so, uh, you know, I'm gonna be recording these throughout the week, 
um, probably, like I said, immediately after it happens. But uh, some of the cool stuff, uh, like January 26th, we've got an asteroid that you'll actually be able to see. It's coming uh, on an Earth flyby. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very large asteroid. And uh, NASA's uh, checked on the trajectory. Um, at its closest, it'll be at 750,000 miles away. Um, so, and they, they're tracking that trajectory all the time. Um, could it change? Sure, but for it to change drastically like that, that's why they're safe in saying, you know, don't worry about it, it's not going to hit us. You know, something would have to happen to change it to do that, is my, is my guess from the little that I know about probably how that software works. But anyways, uh, we've got that, we've got a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, the homepage, if you check it out, um, we've got the com link is up now uh, for all you... Uh, Facebook people, or for anyone who just does not want to deal with Twitter, whatever, cool, no problem. But as the Twitter followers would know, that's where I do a lot of my work from, from where what we talk about the show. A lot of it comes from uh, the communication that goes on there. So if you don't want to use Twitter, fine, whatever. But if you want to see all the stuff where the majority of my work <laughs> or my searching is done, this, the initials, you know, scratching the surface, this is where I do it. Um, so that's up, so you can check, like, what I'm looking at right now. Um, if you guys have anything, if you guys, um, if you're fans of this show and you want to get involved, if there's anything that you guys have questions about that I'm not touching on, please send them over. Um, I have no problem doing the research and, and finding the different stuff on there. Um, so again, like I said, if you have anything, send it over, man. Let's Let's get talking. Let's Let's make this show, you know, more of a, let's, let's just start talking about it, guys. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. Let's, you know, we're all interested in it. We all think it's crazy. We all think it's really cool. So ask those questions that you never had a chance to ask. That's what we're trying to do here. Um, but yeah, so we're going to have a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I hope you guys are excited. I, I am. I am. I just, uh, just got to make sure the timing's all right. Just got to get it, got to get it working. And then once it is, I don't have to worry anymore. So, um, still, uh, drinking coffee. Um, I went to, uh, I had to actually get like a, uh, like a coffee grinder, um, for the beans. Cause I, I bought beans. I didn't realize it. <laughs> it told me that, but apparently I just blocked it out. Um, it's, it's, it's actually kind of cool. I, I like the ritual of it. Um, plus, uh, the, the buzz is, isn't too bad uh, itself. <laughs> I used to have a, uh, a, a jazz professor who, uh, loved coffee, absolutely loved coffee, and we took a class, it was, it was jazz theory with him. He, I mean, he was from, he was a player in the era, just a, a cool cat, as, as he would say, uh, and he would always, he would always have his cup for coffee every morning, and be like, oh, this is that, this is the Egyptian stuff, it was really good, and he would, and he's, he would talk about how the sediments at the bottom, you don't want to mix it up, because, you know, you get like a super, super rush, and he would mix up his cup and, and <laughs> down it right before the class started, so, um, I'm feeling, I'm f feeling pretty like that for, with coffee right now, as, as you can hear me stuttering through the words, because they're happening too fast in my head, um, it's, uh, it's good, man, it's whatever, uh, I need a little bit of a boost with, uh, taking double the courses, uh, I I've been taking, so, just making sure I get enough done, um, and abusing myself a little bit with some caffeine. That's, that's it. That's about what we've got here. 
so without further ado, we'll, we'll continue with the show with all the other stuff that we're talking about today in space. All right, so let's go lightning round through this. A uh, bunch of stuff happened this week. So to start, uh, let's talk about the asteroid that we're going to be able to see on January 26th. Uh, it's going to be the closest. Uh, asteroid 2004 BL86 will get to Earth uh, for at least the next 200 years, so don't miss it. Um, so we've got uh, basically... Uh, poses no threat. It's going to be 750,000 miles away uh, at its closest, um, but it's also going to be moving 35,000 miles an hour. Now, in perspective with us, um, what does that mean? So if you actually want to go out and look for it, weather permitting, all that stuff, since we're in the middle of a storm here this weekend uh, in the northeast, uh, if you want to take a look at it, you'll actually be able to see it with basically binoculars, so uh, you won't need anything too crazy to look at it. I'm going to try and pull out the telescope and get some pictures, uh, see if I can, but uh, it's, it's going to be very cool. Um, it's one of the biggest ones uh, that's come that close to us, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, but you should be able to see it moving slowly across the sky, so the place you want to look in the sky is the Constellation Cancer. Uh, so, uh, grab a star map, uh, get get some way to look at it and uh, take a look. Uh, I'm going to make sure to put pictures. Uh, if you guys uh, get any pictures, uh, send them this way. Send them to, uh, to me either through uh, El Greco or um, on Twitter or on Facebook. Also, uh, Opportunity, the rover that's been on Mars for 11 years and still continues to do its job, uh, was in the news. It took a, a brand new picture. Um, it's atop Cape Tribulation right now. Um, and part of the rim, or at least when they took the picture, January 6th of this year, uh, took part of the rim of the 14-mile-wide Endeavor Crater. They made, uh, put multiple images together to make a panorama. Um, and they used the, the pan cam, or in other words, if you're looking at it, it's the eyes of, of the, the rover. Um, and the image, they actually presented it in true color, from uh, so it would be what we would see uh, if we were standing there on Mars. It's, it looks very cool. It, it's so strange how Mars, it really just looks like a dried up Earth. Um, and the more pictures you look at it, you know, I, I guess it's kind of obvious now that we've seen the pictures, but I remember when the, when these pictures were first coming out, especially with Curiosity, um, you just, you just, you sit and stare and you think about it and you're like, wow, this is, this is amazing that that this planet even looks remotely similar. You would think there's just with the randomness of everything, it wouldn't, but it, it looks, you know, and, and now they're trying to they're trying to compare and see if, you know, they found evidence that there's been water there because they're comparing it with images that we have on Earth. And and it's, it's, it's good that we have that ability, <laughs> that there's some things that are similar because it would be totally different if it just looked like nothing we've ever seen before. Still cool, but probably wouldn't have um, that much... Uh, to go off of. It would, it would be a lot more difficult. Uh, a little more on Opportunity for anyone who, who's unaware. Uh, so Oppo, uh, Opportunity landed 11 years ago uh, and has been on Mars. It's driven 25.9 miles on Mars. That's farther than any other off-Earth surface vehicle has ever driven. Uh, and that's crazy, crazy good, especially considering that the whole mission for Opportunity was planned for three months. So, from three months to go 11 years, whoever built that man, that's one hell of a machine. That's one hell of a robot. Um, 
opportunity. This is a quote from um, the Mars Exploration Rover Project Manager, John Callis, from JPL, uh, back in July last year. Uh, opportunity has driven farther than any other wheeled vehicle on another world. This is so remarkable considering Opportunity was intended to drive about one kilometer and was never designed uh, for distance. But what's really important is not how many miles the rover has racked up, but how much exploration and discovery we have accomplished over that distance. Uh, and it's true, I mean, you know, when you consider how much money goes into these things and these missions, it's great to see that, <laughs> that you can, you know, if, if it's built properly and it's just, just it's like this Opportunity rover, we can get more out of it. And that's, that's so much better because otherwise we'd have to wait or try and get more money, which obviously um, is becoming a big issue. Uh, what was, what was the, uh, the headline I saw the other day? Uh, space exploration moves at the speed of Congress. Yeah, I, I like that. That was, that was pretty good. All right. Uh, now, the other thing that Opportunity has been having issues with uh, is it's been experiencing amnesia. Now, what do I mean by amnesia? Basically, it forgets. So, and that, that doesn't sound like a good thing, uh, but, but basically what's happening is, is it's so old, it's been there for so long, it was only designed for three months, um, it's having major issues with its memory, um, you know, and, and like a regular computer, it's got two types of memories, uh, memory, uh, volatile and non-volatile, what the hell is that, alright, so the non-volatile memory remembers uh, the information, even if it's powered down. So, like, your watch, you know, it remembers what time it is if the power goes down. Uh, or your, your, your cell phone. There's stuff it remembers so that it can start back up. Uh, great for long-term storage, long-term memories type of stuff. Uh, and it's basically the same as, as hard drive on the PC, right? Uh, now, the volatile memory uh, is the same thing as the RAM, or the random access memory. Uh, so, very quick, but you have to have power to turn it on. Um, so... When the machine turns off, all the data stored in the volatile memory is lost. So, the issue it's having is <laughs> that the volatile memory uh, is having some serious issues. So, it can still operate with that fault, but NASA was trying to fix the problems. They were going to do a, a, a fix. Basically, they were going to um, hack the memory to try and fix this memory fail. And the reason it's happening is because it's so old. Um, and the reason they want to fix it is because every time they power down the rover, everything everything it knows from where it is, where it's going, telemetry data, it, it forgets all of that as soon as it uh, it goes down. So And that's because it can't write on the non-volatile. Basically, the hard drive's not working. So every time, it's like, it's like the old Sega Genesis where there wasn't a memory pack. So, or you'd have to buy a memory pack. So every time you play, like for me, it was Sonic. Every time I play Sonic, I have to start at the very beginning because it couldn't remember what level I was on. So I literally would just sit in front of the game and play as hard and <laughs> far in the game as I could. And then every time I wanted to pick it up again, I'd start from level one. But that's what games were like back then. So uh, this is having the same issues. So... Uh, like I said, they were trying to, NASA was trying to do a, uh, basically like a reboot, reboot the systems and, and help it to, um, bring back that old memory, do a fix, which would be communicating through probably one of the satellites around Mars back to Earth. And then, so, like, can you even imagine that that's craziness to, 
never mind doing a hack alone, doing a hack across <laughs> space. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I, I hope there's no blackout period or else you're screwed. You know, you'd have to wait 10 minutes to even figure out if it started. <laughs> That'd be my guess. <laughs> I don't know if it's 10 minutes, actually, delay time. But um, so, opportunity, still going, still making his trip on Mars and sending us back amazing photos and doing more than it was ever intended to do. Love it. Hope you guys learned a little bit more about it. All right, and on to Ceres, uh, the now dwarf planet uh, that's a, a, a moon, uh, basically, of Pluto. Uh, the probably most famous dwarf planet at this point. Uh, so, uh, like we talked about uh, on the previous episode, they released the 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 few images of Ceres, and, and in the last post, uh, you can see it turning in that little white spot. They still don't know what that white spot is at the top. Uh, there's a few guesses, but really at this point, there's no reason. You know, we'll we'll figure it out soon. Um, and Ceres, uh, where the Dawn mission is planned to meet. Um, series on March 6th, so in the meantime, we're going to keep getting photos. The latest one was released on January 13th uh, by NASA. Looks very cool. A little more color, um, especially in this one, uh, the one that the Hubble Space Telescope took. Um, it's, it's very interesting. You know, it's uh, they, they're calling it an embryonic planet. Um, not too sure what that means, but uh, apparently the... Uh, here's here's a, an aerospace term, gravitational perturbations. Uh Perturbations. I've heard that said in so many different accents. It's ridiculous, and they each they each have it. Uh, perturbation, perturbation. It's it's, it's endless. Um, but I guess Jupiter. Um, all the gravity perturbations from Jupiter billions of years ago. Uh, they are actually what prevented, according to it, prevented uh, Ceres from becoming a full-fledged planet. Um, and it's just made up of the debris, the leftover debris from the planetary formation uh, in the main asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. So uh, that's that's where it, it comes from. And so basically, it, the, the first time they were like, okay, it's a, basically a giant asteroid, um, the biggest one we know of. And this one, uh, now it, sorry, now they're saying that it's going to be uh, a dwarf planet because the and that all depends on you know how circular it is. And, uh, we went into it in the, in the, uh, the Pluto episode as well. Um, and even though Ceres is made up of 25% of the asteroid belt's total mass that it's in, um, Pluto is still 14 times more massive than Ceres. Uh, and Pluto itself is tiny. <laughs> so um, it's Ceres. It's got more in common with Earth and Mars uh, than anything else around it. Um, it could be large amounts of water, uh, ice underneath the surface. Um, you know, they, they found evidence of water vapor, uh, the Herschel Space Observatory. Um, and they're saying it could be produced from the cryovolcanoes or by ice that Siri has, a uh, series has, uh, no, not the phone, uh, voice, uh, uh, underneath the icy surface and it might have an atmosphere as well. Um, and that it could have 25% water total uh, for the you know, whole composition of the planet. Uh, very, it's going to be very interesting to see what it what it looks like and from you know this picture here. Basically, the top is a thin, dusty outer crust. Then there's the water ice layer underneath that, and then a rocky inner core. That's that's their guess right now. Now, uh, it was first discovered. 
in the asteroid belt, a Sicilian astronomer, Father Giuseppe Piazzi, uh, spotted the object in 1801. It's a long time ago. Um, you know, and as more objects got found in that area, you know, it became known as asteroids and minor planets. Uh, it was initially classified a planet, then they made it an asteroid, um, and now in 2006, along with Pluto and Eris, it became a dwarf planet. Um, now, how it got the name is because it's named after uh, a Roman goddess uh, who was apparently in charge of cord and harvests. So, always, always goes back to either the Greek or the Roman gods. But I will say the Romans definitely stole our gods. But that's, hey, hey, you know, what am, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? At least we're getting some credit for it, right? All right. <laughs> so that's series. Uh, we're keeping up to date as it makes its approach to series by March 6th and then further on to Pluto later in the year. All right. So we've got news that uh, from the orbital launch. Remember the one that uh, the Antares launch, Warpcom 3, that uh, the engine misfired or had a problem and exploded a few, a few seconds after uh, ignition. Um, they have now signed a contract worth approximately $1 billion for up to 60 Russian-made RD-181 rocket engines to power the redesigned first stage of the commercial Antares launcher. So now uh, officially they're working on getting back on their feet um, to now make a, make a play to get back into the game. So uh, the deal, uh, it's a firm agreement for 20 engines. So they're going to buy 20 engines, enough to cover the 10 launches uh, with the first, two the first two units, the first two engines um, that they'll have in June. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of other stuff in the contract. The billion dollars, uh, how that is fixed in is that's the overall for the, for the maximum value of what Orbital Sciences would pay for an order, which would be 60 engines. So uh, basically, I guess if you're looking for a really easy, probably not accurate, but an easy number, a billion divided by 60, that's the cost per engine. So uh, the RD-181 engines are produced by MPO Energomash, Energomash uh, a subsidiary of Energia that manufactures a family of engines used on Russia's Angara rocket. The Ukrainian Zenit launcher and the United Launch Alliance Atlas V rocket. Um, now, uh, what uh, a little word from the company themselves. Uh, we produce a whole family of engines built around a common manufacturing concept, which means that we can support virtually any kind of launch vehicles, uh, from super light to super heavy. Um, this is from the president of RSC Energia. Uh, the statistics are unequivocal. Our liquid rocket engines are 100% reliable. And by the way, almost half of all the space launches in the world in the last year were made using NPO Energomash engines. So, damn, he's laying it down pretty flat there. So, see, it's pretty confident. I, I like that. I like that. But uh, uh, basically, that this contract they've been trying to finalize has been in the works for about three years. So, um, now... You know, it's, it seems like they've got a reliable supplier, uh, manufacturer. Uh, definitely want to, my guess would be you want to stick with someone. I mean, like, like, like I keep saying, SpaceX's approach is, is one of the best because your quality control is 
just by the numbers, more under control because it's under one roof. Um, going to the supplier instead of using older Russian rockets that have been basically um, sitting in containers for a few decades, this is nice. Uh, very excited because Orbcom and, and, and Tari's, uh, it, it, Orbital Sciences, we, we want them to be successful. You know, we, want, we don't want them to blow up again. So if they could find a supplier that works for them, that keeps their price down so that they can keep, keep launching missions and keep uh, fighting the fight of privatized space travel, beautiful. That's what we want them to do. So uh, I think that, that completes the lightning round. Uh, for this week. Uh, we'll have more next week uh, coming up. Uh, something I recorded earlier in the week. Uh, I went out to go see with binoculars if I could find the comet Lovejoy. Uh, it was, I think, one of the last nights I could have seen. So I uh, get to hear that. And I also go off on a rant, as usual, um, about some other things. In this case, perspective and uh, point of view and how important that is, in my mind, in science. All right, it's January 22nd, 2015, and tonight I went outside and I tried to find Comet Lovejoy because um, it was the last few nights uh, before the moon started turning uh, sky brighter, so thus making it harder to see Comet Lovejoy. So I went outside with binoculars, um, and I'll just say I failed. Uh, I, I had a hard time uh, reading the star map. Um, for a few reasons, you know, I, I, number one, we live, I live in New England, so, um, the light pollution's not that good up here. I mean, if I was in Maine or Vermont, some parts of New Hampshire, uh, it would be a lot easier. Um, but even there is not as good, like, uh, for instance, I, when I saw the sky in Greece in 2011... That was a life-changing experience. Uh, I had no idea that you could see that much of the sky. Uh, and we had just, it was like 4 a.m. too. It was like we had, took us like 24 hours to get there. And, you know, just looked up and it was just amazing. It was amazing. So, um, I, I really like to go see the stars when I can. Uh, and I tried to do it tonight. And couldn't figure it out. The problem was, uh, uh, so I was looking at a star map. Here, I'll pull it up here. Just so I can uh, try and explain it a little bit. So, you know, I had read on uh, skyandtelescope.com. Uh, no idea it even existed. <laughs> but found it uh, for this. And uh, I guess Comet Lovejoy uh, is a magnitude of 4.3. So that's like a magnitude of brightness um the only reason i have any idea what that is is because me and uh, some friends from college would always try and go out and see iridium flares uh there's an app for it um and it's from what i can understand i could be wrong <clears throat> uh, another good thing to uh, a correction of the week if you're fucking critic and you actually want to uh correct me here's a good opportunity uh i'm pretty sure iridium flares are um, like from iridium satellites that use iridium in their um, structure or solar panels. Um, and it reflects at like a specific angle um, light because it's a flat surface. So it's taking its light, it's getting, it's going to and reflecting off the iridium. And you're seeing that moment 
where it, it looks like it's a, it's a comet streaking through the sky, uh, or a meteor streaking through the sky, but it's just it's just the sunlight. It just looks like a fireball. It's crazy. It's crazy. So we would go out on nights and try and figure it out. So 4.3 is, for this area, it's pretty good. It's like low level. Um, you'll still be able to see it as long as there's no clouds, but uh, you're going to really have to look for it, you know. Um, and looking at one of the star maps that this gave me, I think it's at the bottom of this one. Let me see. Yeah. So pretty much if you're looking at Orion, they have like a, a timeline through January. So it's coming up from underneath under Orion's feet, like going up and um, kind of at, I guess, like a 60 degree angle uh, if you took Orion's feet. Yeah, we'll say 60. Sure. 45 at the very least um <laughs> and so uh yeah if you go from like the bow up to where it's supposed to be it's supposed to be near aries uh and triangulum and pisces so uh but pisces would be the furthest away from it uh it would be like the left side of aries so anyways um i'm looking at this brightness chart and and then i'm looking at the sky and i'm like okay and it's more or less like right above me so um, like Orion was at like, I don't know, 75 degrees, uh, for my viewing. So, uh, you know, and I have this app on my phone that it shows like a star map. I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, it uses like GPS to help locate like, uh, where you would be standing on earth and then projecting an image of the stars above you, which is crazy by the way that we can even do that. Um, <laughs> but getting back to it. So I'm trying to check it out and, and, uh, I grab some binoculars, um, and I'm pretty sure, let me just make sure, because I, I, I pulled up a, uh, another map just to see. And uh, I guess uh, Aldebaran, that little cluster, or uh, Pleiades uh, further up. And I'll, ha I'll have this star map, star map on, the, on the page but uh, at todayinspace.net. But uh, I think I was seeing Pleiades, but I couldn't, I just couldn't find... Um, Comet Lovejoy. So I was a little, a little bummed out about that, but it's it's the area I, I live in. I, I have a few friends up north that uh, I think next time I come visit, um, I'm probably gonna be bringing both my telescopes. I have uh, one that I got when I was like ten, um, and another one that I had bought from someone at work. Uh, they just didn't use it, and they wanted to. They were gonna get rid of it anyways, and he knew I like space, so. Uh, bought it from him. Uh, uh, oh, actually, question for people out there. This is kind of a weird, uh, it's very super specific. Um, you know, if, if you need more information, fine, but contact the show if you know how to, um, uh, like, correct uh, leveling for the optics inside because on the bigger telescope that I have, there was these three, uh, basically, bolts that, after I had touched them and moved them, uh, I realized that uh, I had just changed the optic levels, and that's like supposed to be a setting. And I know what that would do in like a manufacturing setting if I just played with the, like, I know it's bad. So <laughs> I need to find someone who can do that. Uh, if it's someone local or if there's like a place I can send it to, um, I guess I'll have to figure out what the telescope is. But if you at least know, then I guess we could start that conversation, and that would be pretty 
freaking awesome because it's definitely a lot more powerful than the other one I have. Um, and I want to start doing some more stargazing. So, anyways, the, the reason, like, I, 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 I love looking at the night sky and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's something that I became fascinated with in college, which is, it's, it's all, science is all a matter of perspective and reference point. And if you just are brutally honest and very simplistic and like showing people like these are the conditions that we were under and under this assumption, then this is correct. So granted, everything has to happen the same way for you to be able to get that same result. Um, that's when it becomes, you know, more as a scientific law, I guess it would be. Um, it gets it, it goes from a theory to uh, at least a law. Um, could be wrong. Anyways, so my whole thing is that if you just, and it's another thing I had learned, I had taken a great class in high school, just randomly. Um, there was a statistics class. Um, and it was, the, the guy who taught it was, he was just super animated. He just loved what he did. Like, yeah, he was, he was nerdy and he was, you know, a little goofy, but, but at least like we, kind of enjoyed like statistics is pretty boring and he made it interesting so um that alone is crazy um so he made us read this book called how to lie with statistics um it's really short it's like 100 pages uh and it just goes through and explains that there are differences and averages and um you can actually manipulate those numbers to get a legitimate result nothing there's nothing necessarily wrong with it sometimes you have to do that to um get to the next step but then there's certain levels where um you can't do that anymore because this is supposed to be done this way anyways anyways what i'm trying to say is as long as you have your reference frame or you're in the right frame of reference this whatever will work um and it's crazy when you go outside and you do this stargazing stuff because you're seeing the sky through your eyes. What you're getting is the light um, with tons of light pollution, which light pollution, by the way, is fucked. It's super inefficient the way we use lighting now. And, for instance, I was, re I was watching something on the Internet. Granted, it just made total sense to me. I haven't actually looked at it to see if, like, it's legitimate, but... One of, it, one of the things was just saying that just right off the top, if we just fixed something little and didn't do this giant change and, and make people do all this crazy stuff, it was just if you just focused and put like a headlight on most of the lights that just face down to the earth because that's all the light that we need is facing the ground. We don't need the light up in the air, which there's a, there are tons of old light fixtures that don't have any covers, and they're just... You know, if, if you can just block the light and aim it down and, and, and block everything above it, our, the skies would actually look a lot darker, which makes a lot of sense. Um, you probably have to get above it, but either way, I mean, that makes a ton of sense um, because it's a light coming through an atmosphere. So you got to imagine if, if the light can come, this is just me guessing, but if the light's coming through and refracting, it can refract back the other way and we could still have some type of effect looking out um right that would make sense um yeah so light pollution is fucked 
um, and you see it in this area a lot. So anyone who lives around a big city knows this. Um, and there's probably some people just being like, dude, like that shit's out there all the time. But imagine if like we could actually see the night sky in the way that we're actually supposed to see it with all the all this you know crazy stuff getting in the way. Um, you see it when you're super up, when you're up north or south. Um, the extremes you can you know the it, it comes through so much clearer. And imagine if everyone saw that all the time. I guarantee people would be asking way more questions. Where do you think all the crazy gods and mythology came from? It's because they're looking up at the sky and just being like, "Holy crap!" Like I can't believe that. Like what is that? Like and they they would see comets and and they would think it was it would bring. Um, uh, good or bad or uh, drought or you know all that crazy stuff and and because it was so mesmerizing in the night sky that they had back then totally realistic that they would come up with some crazy shit you know so and like aligning uh, structures to follow um, astronomical events like to, to, to point in the general direction of it all the time that's crazy because I bet you that they didn't have a telescope like Egypt. I don't think Egypt had telescopes. So they were just, that was just the night sky, you know, like just perspective on this planet is crazy. And then if it now, you know, I'm, I'm trying to take binoculars to look through. Um, and I, first of all, I, I don't actually know what I'm doing. So <laughs> I guess I'm trying to find someone to blame, but, um, no, it's crazy because even just looking through binoculars, like I didn't, I didn't know how to orient myself. I was like, kept trying to look away, and I have glasses too, so um, I was wearing them tonight, and that's a nightmare with binoculars. Um, but it, it's just crazy because I'm looking out and I'm seeing like what looks like a little hazy, you know, star. I can barely make out really where it is, and then I look at it, and it's a cluster of a bunch of stars, and it's just like, whoa. It's like just looking through this thing, and this isn't even a, uh, like a powerful uh, binocular at all. Like this is like, you know, like short range binocular, um, nothing crazy, um, but it seemed to do the job. Just didn't know where I was. I didn't have the frame of reference. I didn't, I didn't know enough about the sky map to figure out what that actual distance is. Um, I could have missed it too, so that's totally a possibility. I definitely came late to the party on it, um, but uh, we'll see. So, f frame of reference, I feel, with science is is something that's super super important, um, and kind of gets lost in the mix from time to time. Um, but it's something that I just became obsessed with because you look at, like I said, you're looking out and these these things in the sky. They're not just like they're not light. They're giant balls of energy and the fact that we're even in a time where our solar system is in a point that our planet is in a habitable zone that there's no black holes right now sucking us in the, we're at a steady state in this universe in this solar system that's happening right now that's so lucky dude like the odds don't get any better than that. So when you're just when you're thinking about this stuff, this gives me peace of mind to start to, to learn about space. You know, I don't get like 
freaked out or I mean granted there's I like I know people in my own family uh, who just just don't talk to me about it and maybe that's a good thing maybe that's a good thing but I think this shit is crazy and I just want to keep talking about it so as far as perspective goes um, through all the crazy stuff I just talked about um, it's that's everything that's everything it's perspective and, and your reference frame all right, so that's my uh, that's my plug-in from uh, the other night, trying to catch a comet Lovejoy, and like I said, uh, a bunch of rambling by me. Um, but I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, I, I had a good time putting it together this week. Um, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to the show. Um, tell your friends. Uh, let's get the word out about the show. Uh, check the website out. It's todayinspace.net. Todayinspace.net or todayinspace.squarespace.com. The original. Check me out on Twitter at El Greco, E-L-G-R-3-C-O. Uh, we'll be having fan sites up soon, uh, so we'll be posting to that. Other than that, guys, have a great week, and we'll be back talking about space next week.